Thank you for praying that blessing over us. He is for you. I hope you know Jesus. He loves you, and he's got blessing in store for you. If you don't know him, you know him today. Get to know him today. Uh, Many years ago, when I was the college minister here at First Baptist, word got out that I had a serious love for the pumpkin spice latte. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, um, but it was word on the street, and I'm not sure who spread the news, probably me, because I talked about it a lot. I like to share that in conversations. I even like to illustrate messages and sermons by talking about the pumpkin spice latte. There's just something when you take the spices and you infuse that espresso with it, and you put that frothed milk, and you just taste. I'm telling you, it leads me to worship and thanksgiving. And let me clarify, not worship of the coffee, okay? Not worship even of the barista, but worship and thanksgiving to God. He gave me taste buds. I love that God gave me taste buds, and He gave us creativity so that we can come up with all these flavors, these things that we just love and just, you know, give us emotions because it's so good. And it's Thanksgiving week. I cannot wait to eat the things that I'm going to eat this week, the explosion of flavor in my mouth, um, probably a lot more than I should. So, great week to be reminded. God gave you taste buds. He didn't have to. And he did. What a good God that we serve. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. Now, I, love, I know that the, my love for the pumpkin spice latte, the PSL, is a little over the top. I recognize that. Um, it sounds like an unhealthy obsession, and it probably is. Um, I'm recovering from that. Uh, truthfully, I only have maybe just a few a year now. I used to have a few a day. Now it's just maybe a few a year. And, um, and I'm working through it. But people have picked up on my love for the PSL. Uh, through the years, and they've gone out of their way to bless me. And uh, there's one day that will always be a banner day in my life. The college students, when I was college minister, made a video to celebrate. It was the day called A Day of a Thousand Lattes. It was back in 2009. There's Wes in 2009. The first day that the pumpkin spice latte was available for sale, and I knew it. I knew it. I talked about it. I told other people. I could not wait to have my first pumpkin spice latte of the day, and one particular college student who happens to be sitting up in the balcony, I will tell you her initials, McKenna Young Carter, put together this great plan for um, the day of a thousand lattes. And she recruited these college students to uh, bring me lattes. And I walked outside of my house, 8 a.m. in the morning, and all I could think about is I can't wait to get in the car to go get my PSL. And I wanted it real big, and I wanted it real high. I just could not wait. And on top of my car was a pumpkin spice latte. I could not believe it. They beat me to it. They had it there waiting on me. Now, it was not an extra large. It was a small. But still, I was like, wow, I cannot believe that I got that. I I couldn't stop smiling. And then I walked into church um, that uh, morning to the office, and uh, McKenna's mother was the receptionist, Miss Young, and she had me a pumpkin spice latte. I already got one in my car, now I got one there. I walked upstairs to the college suite. There was another one waiting on me. And then also on my desk, Hunter McKenzie had left me another pumpkin spice latte. By 9 a.m., I'd had four pumpkin spice lattes. That was only the beginning. I'm talking every hour on the hour about. There was another latte arriving. Y'all can see they just kept coming. In fact, I can remember Emily Carnes bringing me one down into the bookstore. 
I was, uh, Caleb was just a baby. He was there. And um, uh, uh, Michelle Nations, I was eating lunch at the Greek boy. She brought over. I, you just can't imagine how good of a day that was for me. I love how kind people can be to me. I'm thankful for that. It's appropriate for today. But I want to describe for you just for a moment um, how I felt at 8 a.m. when I walked outside and I saw that first pumpkin spice latte on top of that car. I smiled. I was so thankful. Incredibly kind gesture from somebody. It came from Scott Johnson. I didn't know that at the time, but that's who it was. And it was so fun to walk out to my car, find that PSL waiting on me. But I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you what I thought. Ah, oh, it's just a small. That is what I thought. I actually, as a matter of fact, there's a video out there and there's evidence of this. And I, I, I thought to myself, maybe I ought to just drive by and get me another one, a large one, you know, because I want to make sure I get it. I had no clue what was waiting on me. I mean, I saw the drink and I thought, how nice. But it would have been nice if it was a venti. And isn't that terrible? That's how I felt. A wonderful blessing, but just below the surface was this little bit of ingratitude. Confession is good for the soul. So I want to tell the world that on that day, that was going to be a day of blessing upon cup of blessing, pouring out into the soft surf, sipping on it all day long. And in my heart of hearts, I was a little bit ungrateful. It's a terrible thing. Well, today we have a lot of reasons to be disappointed. I know your circumstances are probably not precisely how you would like for them to be. There's probably conflict in some relationships that you weren't hoping to have to deal with. You've got a lot going your way, but maybe you still have a hole in your life. Maybe it's that feeling of loneliness you thought you would be over by now, and you're not. Or maybe it's that issue at work that you thought would kind of work itself out, but it hasn't. Or maybe it's that health issue that you thought would just be a bump in the road, but it's turned out to be much more than that. Maybe you see the news and you just find yourself anxious watching World events unfold in front of you. You have a lot of reasons to be anxious. You have a lot of reasons to be disappointed. But today, I want us to respond to a question. And it's this, are you thankful? In spite of the disappointments, in spite of the setbacks, in spite of the frustrations, in spite of the fact that it was a small and not a large, are you thankful? In his letter to the Colossians, Paul pivots from focusing on pagan vice to Christian virtue. Um, in fact, in chapter 3, he's drawing a distinguishing line between the faithful believer and the unrighteous non-believer. He does not, in the text, describe or prescribe Christian rules for living. What he does is describe Christian character, what it looks like. And he points the believer, um, and he, he makes this point that you have a new life in Christ. You've gone from darkness into light. There's a new dress code to keep in mind. You have a new uniform to wear. And that's what he's saying, Colossians 3.10. Paul tells the believers to put on the new self. He says, put on the new colors. You're wearing the old team colors. You're wearing the old uniform. Put on the new uniform. When I enrolled at uh, Carolina as an undergrad, I came to campus as a University of Tennessee fan. I can remember as a kid going to Williams Bryce Stadium painted orange and white. I stood up and sang Rocky Top at the top of my lungs. I know some of y'all hate that song. I still love it. But somewhere in my sophomore year, I matured, right? I put childish things aside. I'm sorry to some of my friends that are here that are Tennessee fans. My, my brother and my nephews were at, in Knoxville yesterday for the game, heartbreak of the game. But I, I don't wear orange and white to Williams Bryce anymore. I got new team colors that I wear. 
That's Paul's point in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. Dress in the right uniform, which is to say dress with the right attributes. And he concludes with one phrase, which is going to be our text for this morning, but I'm going to read the whole passage for context. So if you have your Bibles, I sure hope you do. I want to invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 12 through 15. Our focus text is just the last phrase of verse 15, but we'll look at the whole text together. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Father, here on this beginning of the week of thanksgiving for us, we come before you with hearts full of gratitude. But if we're honest, we have to admit we very often struggle and fail to say thank you. So in this moment, as we consider your word that is true, that is able to convict and challenge, to exhort us, to push us forward, we pray that we would yield to the move of the Spirit as you call us towards a heart of gratitude. Father, we are most of all thankful for the cross of Christ, for Jesus today. Lord, would you just put all of our attention there as we study your word together. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The people of God are to be a people marked with gratitude. So after detailing what Christian character looks like, Paul concludes that sentence with that phrase, and be thankful. He's saying, wear the garment of gratitude. Because of who we are in Jesus, we can be thankful for all things and in all circumstances. So, of course, we're approaching Thanksgiving, and I want to challenge you to take a personal assessment of your life this morning. Ask yourself, am I thankful? Are you thankful? And the truth is that sometimes we're not. So the response to that is a follow-up question, why not? That's where we'll begin this morning, with the question of why not. When I walked outside on that first day of the pumpkin spice latte season in 2009, I saw that PSL on the car, I was thankful, but I was also thinking about what I didn't have. I didn't have the large. And it was hard to be grateful because I was thinking about what I didn't have rather than focusing on what I did have. I was not looking at my circumstances from the right perspective. Why am I not thankful? I think that's what keeps us from being truly grateful most of the time. I look at my life, I'm glad about what I have, but I can't say I'm filled with gratitude because I'm more concerned with what I don't have than grateful for what I do have. So I can't be thankful. I think our perspective can also get in the way of a grateful heart um, in in other ways. Uh, It may not be that I'm ungrateful, because I was thinking about that. I know this is a crazy question, are you thankful? I mean, the answer we always say is yes, yes, I'm thankful. So I'm I'm not going to say that maybe we come to this moment and we are ungrateful. It's just that I'm not paying attention to the blessings. I'm just kind of going through life casually without any sort of focus or attention or heart towards the blessings that I do have, because I see what's happening in my life as just normal. It's just to be expected. I'm taking it for granted rather than with gratitude. That's just kind of how I see life. 
you know, because things are going my way. And I don't stop to say thank you. I'm just like, hmm, it's going my way. I'll keep on going. Or perhaps my circumstances are such that it's hard to see the good. I think that's how, why our perspective can be off to the point that we struggle to be thankful because our circumstances get in the way. Just too many problems, just too many difficulties. All I can see are the issues that I'm having to deal with. I can't find the silver lining in it all. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I can't do it. I can't quite bring into focus the good thing that would likely cause me to be grateful. Why? Because I find myself sitting in this heap of despair, the frustrating situations. And I know that's how life can go sometimes. Life sometimes, that's a season that we face in life. Another perspective uh, issue I might face is I look, um, I look at my positive, the positive things in my life, and rather than be thankful to God for them, I think, well, I deserve this. I feel like if there's words of gratitude to be expressed, it might be to myself. Thank me. I'm so glad I worked so hard to get these things, right? So are you thankful? Are you thankful to God? Why not? Now, I don't want to mince words here this morning. Ingratitude is sin. Sin. I don't just have a perspective issue. I don't just have a um, focusing on the wrong things issue. I have a sin problem. In fact, Paul says, uh, tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, in the last days, he says, difficult times will come. He says there's going to be a dramatic moral downgrade among the population. And he describes how there's going to be this the, the terrible things. In fact, verse 2 of uh, chapter 3, it says, For men in those days will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, he says, unholy. He keeps going. But the Scriptures tell us in the last days, people are going to be self-serving. They're going to be arrogant. He says in the last days, they will be disobedient and unholy. But I want you to notice that he says in addition to all of that, these wicked men in the last days will be ungrateful. Ingratitude is actually a sign of the end times. Why? Because ingratitude is a sin. And when sin is in full bloom in a person's life, they will be described as ungrateful. Ingratitude is the sign. In his letter to the Romans, uh, we also get a word from God where he is uh, describing to us sinfulness and wickedness of people. Paul's making a point here. He's driving the reader to see that mankind is totally lost, desperate for Jesus. And he says in Romans 1 verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Paul says they didn't honor God. They didn't give thanks. Ingratitude leads to futile or fruitless thinking, fruitless living. The end result is a darkened heart. So ingratitude, ungratefulness, is a step along the path towards destruction because it's sin. But why? Why is ingratitude a sin? Why is it such a big deal to God? I mean, why, why, why does he care? Because if I'm not thankful, then that means I'm not thinking about God. I've lost my focus. I've failed to notice him in my life. I've taken him for granted. Because God is a gift giver. He brings blessing. James says, chapter 1, verse 17, For every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. If I'm not thankful, then I'm taking credit 
away from God. I am stealing from God. I'm looking to myself as the source of the good things in my life rather than recognizing it is God who has given this blessing to me. Why am I not thinking, thankful? The most likely reason is spiritual myopia. I am spiritually nearsighted. All I can see is what is in front of me. I am not looking at the big picture. I am not seeing how God is working things out in my life. I, my, my nearsightedness is preventing me from seeing what God is up to in my heart. And I can't see the blessing of good gifts that he's giving me. And so what I need in that moment is corrective lenses. And the irony is that the spiritual corrective lenses that we need are accessible by simply turning my heart towards gratitude, towards thanksgiving. Virginia Owens says, thanksgiving is not the result of perception. Thanksgiving is the access to perception. That might be helpful for me to try to adjust my perspective to see what God's up to in order to become thankful. But what I have discovered is that whenever I give my heart over to thanksgiving and gratitude, all of a sudden it brings God into view in a very clear, in a very big way. It's the gratitude that helps me see beyond myself. It's the gratitude that helps me overlook the circumstances that seem to have me down. The challenge is that gratitude does not come naturally. It must be taught. You think about it with kids. You have to tell them, right? That, say thank you. <laughs> what do you say? But we have to teach children to do that because their natural response is what? Mine, right? It's not thank you. Mine. That's, that's, that's how they react to that kind of thing. And let me just tell you, that's not just kids' natural reaction. That's your natural reaction too, right? Remember whenever Jesus healed the ten lepers in the Gospels? All ten were healed, but only one came back to say thank you. The Lord asked, where's the other nine? Now, I believe they were all healed, and I believe they were happy about being healed. But rather than being thankful, they just thought, mine, mine. This is what I got. I'm glad I was in the right place at the right time. Entitlement will destroy any gratitude in our hearts. If we think we deserve it, if we think we earned it, we will not be grateful. The best application is to flip the script. Start saying thank you. Start giving thanks to God, and your perspective on life will change. Are you thankful? A response to that question may very simply be, what for? Uh, thankful for what, Wes? That's the question I want us to look at next. Yesterday was Pray Cola for our church. Um, every month on the 18th, we ask church members to dedicate 15 minutes of praying for our community, praying for a move of God in our church and our families and our community. And um, we share that with other churches in the Midlands. Um, today's the 19th, so some church in our town, they, they, they're committed to praying every minute of today to make sure that our, uh, somebody's praying for blessing and unity and for a move of God in our community and uh, in our churches and in our homes. So yesterday was our day, and uh, I, I began, I always begin at midnight. I, I, I take the first spot there. So that was really Friday night, uh, Saturday morning. I'm praying, and uh, I decided to begin with thanksgiving. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, part of that is because it's sometimes hard to stay focused and stay awake. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll be thankful. And I even started writing it down. And you know what? It, it started off general. You know, thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for salvation. But then as I started to focus on details, it's amazing how much of a piece of paper I filled up with expressions of gratitude. As a matter of fact, I, I, I was rolling some. I had to deliberately stop to pray for the move of God in our community because I just was spending so much time thanking God. It's really disheartening that it's hard to focus for 15 minutes in prayer. 
But if you start focusing on Thanksgiving, my experience is it becomes a little bit of this uh, a, a downward uh, roll of the ball because it just picks up. As I think about one thing I'm thankful for, it leads to another. Because our lives are filled with blessing. And I want to address the question of what do I have to be thankful for? And the truthfully, the answer is all-encompassing. Well, everything. And I think that's sometimes why we struggle. What are you thankful for? Well, everything. You know, what am I supposed to focus in on? Uh, I have too much to be grateful for. I believe uh, David gives us a great outline in Psalm 103. In fact, I preached on that last year at Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm going to read to you the verse five verses of the psalm. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. That, that literally means his good gifts. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The psalmist says, forget none of God's benefits, those good gifts he's given me. And he begins, first of all, with he pardons all my iniquity. Now, sometimes we just think, thank you, God, or say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. But man, if we start focusing on that for a moment, that'll really create a lot of gratitude in us because I recognize we all come to God with a lot of sin. And if I start dealing with the corruption in my heart, there's a lot I am thankful that God has forgiven me for. And you think about this, holy God in impenetrable light, no shadow of corruption within him. And here comes lowly man filled with sin. And his response could be to stomp us out. But what does he do? He pardons. He pardons through the good gift of Jesus shed blood on the cross. We find forgiveness for sins. We don't deserve it. What a good thing that God has pardoned me for all my sins. Second, the psalmist says, he heals all your diseases. Now, I know that can be a challenging verse today because some of you are thinking, yeah, except for this one time. Or yeah, except in this situation. But this is a reminder to us that God has the ability to heal all our diseases. What we don't get is this timetable here. We don't know if it's the healing will come this side of eternity or that side of eternity. We know, though, that God has the ability to heal. And so when all of a sudden you find yourself in sickness or you find yourself with a difficult situation, you know you can call out to God and he hears and he can heal your disease. Every week I get an update from Pastor Richard telling me about the state of the physical health of our church family. Tells me about all the hospitalizations and the appointments and the procedures. And, uh, and the truth is sometimes I'll say to him, man, it's a wonder any of us are alive. Because there's so many things that can go wrong in the body. When you start hearing, I've, I've never heard of that. That is awful. I can't even believe that can go wrong. It's amazing that we are alive and thriving. But what we know is God made our bodies and he made them resilient and he can heal all your diseases. Next, the psalmist points out that God redeems your life from the pit. We are desperate for somebody to rescue us. I am thankful that God picked me up out of the pit and placed my feet on solid ground. He saved me, he rescued me, but not only that, he gives me a hope, he gives me a future. I've got so much to be thankful for because of what God has brought into my life as he has, he has pointed me in the direction that he's calling me to go. Next, the psalmist says that the Lord crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He doesn't come at me with judgment. He doesn't come at me with frustration. He comes at me with love and compassion. We sing that song, he is for you. For the believer, loving kindness and compassion, he showers it on. 
Fifth, he says, he satisfies your life with good things. He gives you taste buds. He gives you family. He gives you safety and security. Good things. And then what does he do with that? That final part, he renews your youth like the eagle. When you feel like thrown in the towel, he can give you the motivation to keep going. The bottom line is this. We can be thankful for all things and in all circumstances. What am I thankful for? All things and in all circumstances. Paul pens two verses under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to make it clear that we have a lot to be thankful for. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. You notice that the verse doesn't say sometimes or occasionally give thanks for some things or most things. It says always giving thanks for all things. Now, I can say that's tough, right? Because there are some things I'm not thankful for. There are some things I'd rather say, God, can you take that back? I, I don't really want that. But as children of the king, we should be so yielded to God's will in our lives that when things come into our life that we don't feel like should be there, we can say thank you to God. Because we know he's going to carry us through this. As a matter of fact, we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Once again, it doesn't say in most things. It doesn't say in many things. It doesn't say in the pleasant things. It says in everything give thanks. And I think we have to ask ourselves a question. If we really want to mature in the faith, we've got to ask ourselves a question here. How do I give thanks for the things I'm not thankful for? Does God really expect me to say thank you for the cancer? Does he really expect me to say thank you for the, broken, for the, uh, the lost loved one, the difficult circumstance? Does he really expect me to say thank you there? The only way we can say thank you to God when things look bleak is because we recognize God brought me this far, and God will see to it that I make it through. That's the only way. Because I come to a difficult situation. It's hard to say thank you except that I know God. You've brought me here. God, you'll carry me through. The first thing I thought of when I read this text is the same thing I always think of when I read 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It's of Corey and Betsy Tinboom, courageous, compassionate Dutch Christians um, who were in Holland during the, uh, World War II as the Nazis were coming in. And they took in and cared for the Jews. And they were caught. They were arrested for it. Eventually, they were imprisoned at Ravensbrück, a Nazi concentration camp. They ended up sleeping on platforms that had been covered in rancid straw. And they were, there were women everywhere. I mean, it was just, the way that it's described just piled in there, uh, stacked high, close together, very little room in there. And as she laid down on this platform she was supposed to sleep on, Corey realized the place was swarming with lice. And she asked, how can we live in these sort of conditions? And Betsy, amazing believer, prayed in that moment to the Lord, show us, Lord, show us. And then she shouted, he's given us the answer already. She said, in our Bible reading this morning, Corey had smuggled in a tiny Bible that she had in that concentration camp. So she pulled it out, turned it to the Bible reading that, from that morning, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. And Betsy says, that's it. That's his answer. We can start right now to thank God for everything about these barracks. And so they started off giving thanksgiving to God. Thank you, God, that we're here together. Thank you, God, that we got the scriptures in here. Thank you, God, for all these women. Thank you that it's so close together we can read the scriptures, we can worship and pray together so that they won't hear us outside. We won't get caught. And then all of a sudden, Betsy says, and thank you, God, for the lies. And Corey says, no way. 
<laughs> I am not thankful for the lights. There's no good reason to be thankful for the lights. And Betsy says, it doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Lice is part of this place where God has put us. So they stood between the stacks of these platforms with the lice swarming around. They held hands and they prayed, thank you, God, for the lice. But Corey was not thankful for the lice. The end of that story is that their prayers of thanksgiving for lice turned out to be a grateful thing because they discovered the reason they were allowed to have Bible study inside those barracks, the reason they could do that and, not, and believe the guards would not come in, is because they found out the guards did not want in there because they knew the lice was in there. So they said, thank you for the lice. And God used it in a way to protect them. I can give thanks for God in all things, in everything, because I know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. What am I thankful for? For all things and in everything, because I trust God. Perhaps as we come to this message and we ask, are, we th- are you thankful? Your answer is, of course I am. So the final question is, how so? How can you be abounding in gratitude? The scriptures say, godliness with contentment is great gain. To abound in gratitude means I've learned to be content. It's not that I've gotten everything that I've wanted. It's not that everything's going my way. It is that I have learned the gift. I've learned the skill of contentment with godliness. And that's truly a work of the Spirit, not a work of ourselves. In fact, it's the true meaning behind that verse that we quote, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is about I can face any situation because I have found the secret of being content. And I know that God will carry me through. The ultimate reason, though, for abounding gratitude is one key thing. Let me read to you a verse, final verse here from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The indescribable gift that Paul is writing about is Jesus. I can have nothing and I can have terrible circumstances, but if I have Jesus, I've got more than enough to express gratitude to God. That's because Jesus comes to me as a free gift. God knows we're desperate. We're desperate, lost in our sins, but he gives us a way, a way to forgiveness, a way to restored relationship with him. And it's not by earning it. It's not by deserving it. It's simply by believing in Jesus' shed blood to extend forgiveness. Have you believed in Jesus for forgiveness of sins? Have you believed in him for salvation? Will you today? That's truly the only pathway to a life of gratitude. You must first receive Jesus. I can abound in gratitude because of the good gift of Jesus who forgives me. The psalmist says in Psalm 92, it's good to give thanks to the Lord. People of God are to be a people marked with gratitude. We can be thankful for all things and in all circumstances because we know we serve a God who is good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good gift that you give us in a church family. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for hope. We thank you for every good thing that you've pointed our way. Now, Father, as we come to a time of response, would you work in our hearts? Call us to you. Call us to the cross today. In Jesus' name, amen. So come to the conclusion of our service. I'm going to invite you to respond. Some of you may just need to turn to God in prayer. Prayers of thanksgiving. You might want to kneel at the altar where you are. Grab your family close. You express prayers of thanksgiving to God. If you have another decision to make, I'll be waiting down front. So let me invite you to stand as the choir sings, you respond.